This is the Action Network Podcast. On the way, nice. and it is good. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network Podcast, the golf edition presented by BetMGM. I'm Jason Sobel of Golf Bet. He is Justin Ray, the head of content for the 15th Club. Over the next little bit, we're going to get into this week's Wells Fargo Championship. We'll make our DFS lineup, and we'll, of course, go through our five questions in five minutes, and we'll go through last weekend's Valspar Championship. Apologies, I'm about to sound a little different. I have an unstable internet connection about to jump on the phone here, but you'll still be able to hear me, unfortunately, uh, just not as clearly as usual. It's unfortunate. I was really looking forward to talking to myself for the next hour, but I guess we'll let you come in, chime in from the landline. And we're going to, you know, it's going to be workmanlike. You know, we're going to push through this, like like a number four starter with a 4.70 ERA against a good team. Just, you know, just got to push through and get to the finish line. Yeah, I feel like the proper analogy here is that I cracked my driver on the second tee, and I'm just going to have to, you know, knock a three-wood around here and try to get it done with it. Look, if Siwoo Kim can putt with a three-wood at Augusta National, we can handle it. There you go. That's exactly it. So uh, let's uh, let's review on the weekend a little bit here and uh, talk about what I was hoping for would be a Keegan Bradley victory. Uh, Had him first-round leader. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed watching him on Thursday. Had him for top five, no sweat there, even though he tried to blow it a little bit at the end. Had him for outrights, and that would have been a nice little cherry on top, but we didn't get it. Sam Burns uh, looked really strong down the stretch, uh, whereas Keegan Bradley looked like the guy trying to win his first PGA Tour title instead of the other way around. And Sam Burns, at the age of 24, is a PGA Tour champion for the first time. (laughs) Excellent. This really felt like a kid kicking the door down, someone who had been you know, on the precipice of breaking through with a victory for a while. Um, my favorite note about Sam from the week, he's now led or co-led following nine rounds this season on the PGA Tour. That's three more than any other player. Justin Thomas is second with six. Mm. He absolutely putted his tail off. He gained more than nine strokes on the field on the greens. That was the most by a winner at the Valspar since Luke Donald, one of the best putters of the last 20, 30 years. Uh, in 2012, he gained a few more than that. But um, 59 for 61 putting inside 10 feet. That can sometimes be a little bit misleading. But anytime you've got 61 putts from a particular range, he had plenty from four to eight feet, ranked really high in that metric too. Um, you know, ranked third in the field for the week in strokes gained putting. He man, three-shot win. He put his foot down and, and got the job done. It was really good to see because this feels like kind of a culmination of a lot of really good golf over the last 12 to 18 months. And I mentioned he's 24 years old. We'll get into during the five questions. Uh, uh, a few things about some of these young guns out there. But I just think it's interesting to note that while we all sort of lump together the Morikawas and Hovlins and Matthew Wolfs, and, you know, we kind of say, well, Siwoo Kim, he's 25. But yeah, he's been around for a long time. And Will Zalator, so he's the young kid that just burst on, burst onto the scene. He's 24 years old. He's older than Colin Morikawa. It's just, they're all right there in the same age range. And uh, if you want to go past, I've used 25 as sort of that barometer all day, talking about 10 players now, 25 or younger, inside the top 50 on the world ranking. But if you go just a little bit past that, John Rahm, uh, Christian Bezidenhut, uh, which I finally got right, 
uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. They're all 26 there, years old. Yeah. Cameron Smith, 27. Uh, you know, there are guys that are within this age range that aren't much older than these guys. It just it, it all lends itself to, wow, this up-and-coming generation that's sort of part of the present generation and the future generation. These guys are really, really good players already. There's a lot of depth there, too. You mentioned the big list of names, and you even Justin Thomas just turned 28. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, not, yeah. that's not exactly an old man out there. So um, just you, you're right, a big list of players we're going to see globally, too, right? It's not just American or European. It's players from Asia, players from South Africa, um, you know, maybe a stronger contingent for the International President's Team Cup moving forward the next decade or so, too. So um, it's an exciting time to be a golf fan for sure, and this feels like the next way we have that – you know, we talked about that class, high school class of 2011 for so long, um, headlined by Jordan Spieth and then JT, Xander, part of that group, a lot of other great, really talented players. This feels like the next wave right behind them. And, you know, Sam Burns, someone whose iron play has consistently improved over the last several seasons. He's always, since he turned pro, had really good numbers off the tee. And you see what he's capable of putting. Mm-hmm. This is a kid whose talent is capable of carrying him to any golf course he goes to and can make him a contender if he just gets a little bit more consistent. Yeah, that's the one thing I've been saying about him for a while. So I was really impressed last year with how his game travels. You know, this is not – I know he's got the nickname Bermuda Burns, but this is not just a kid who only plays well in the southeast where he's from or only plays well in a certain part. He, he went to Houston, played really well. He went to Riviera, played really well at the Genesis. He was the 54-0 leader. Now goes to Tampa, plays really well there. I like the fact that his game travels. I, I'm not ready to put him in the – upper echelon of players in the world. But I always say that what separates the top players from the, the next tier is that the top players can win anywhere, any place, anytime. And the more, the more opportunities you give yourself and the more you're able to go out and compete on different kinds of golf courses, the more valuable you are, first of all, to yourself. Secondly, to, for our purposes, uh, the betters out there, you're able to go out there and say, well, you know, on any given week, Sam Burns, the guy that, uh, can show up on a leaderboard. That makes him very valuable to us. Uh, just real quick, looking back at Keegan Bradley, uh, do we come out of this with positive vibes toward Keegan or negative vibes? He looks so good for really three and a half rounds, and then it just unraveled with that uh, tee shot in the water on 13, missed a couple of really short putts, looked like he was just sort of dejected after that and mentally kind of uh, out of it. Uh, the last couple of holes when Sam Burns was uh, pretty much running away with this thing. But do we still have some positive takes coming out of this for Keegan? I think you have to. I mean, ball striking wise, he's one of the more consistent players on tour and has been for several years. It's just been a struggle to adapt since the anchor putting ban went into effect. He just hasn't been the same player on the greens. Um, I had a statistic I came up with over the last three seasons now, 40% of Keegan Bradley's rounds, he's had positive strokes gained putting. His scoring average is 68.7. 60% of the time, he loses strokes to the field. When he puts, three shots higher his scoring average. I mean, it's, a, wow. it's an enormous difference. So, And he's even said himself, if he, just, he basically has said in interviews, hey, if I just putt zero, if I just have a neutral strokes gained putting number, I'm good because my ball striking is there. I can drive it. At an elite level, my iron play, which he you know, kind of wavered a little bit Sunday, um, but for the most part, week in, week out, was really good. This guy strikes the ball like a stallion. It's just his putting numbers are, are all over the place, and they were this week. They were great, positive through two rounds, and then negative in rounds three and four, 
and that's kind of the way it worked out. He was six for seven, putting between four and eight feet, rounds one and two, that little mid-range that kind of determined golf tournaments, it feels like. Rounds three mm-hmm. and four, four for nine. Eesh. Yeah, that's ugly. So uh, we'll get talking about the Wells Fargo Championship in a minute. I think some of the five questions, it's my turn to ask you this week. So some of these questions I have to deal with this past week. So let's get them in now before we move ahead and start talking about our favorite bets for this current week. So you ready for the five questions? I'm ready. Fire at will, bud. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is five under. Okay. So there are 10 players age 25 or younger in the top 50 of the world ranking, which I mentioned a minute ago. By the way, and this is one of the questions, but that seems like a lot. Do you have any idea how to like quantify? Is that a lot? Is that more than we have usually seen over the past 10, 15 years? Oh, in the top 50 in the world? I feel like there was a time I looked up recently when Rom first turned pro and won a lot, and then it was still JT, Spieth fit that mold, Um, maybe Mm -hmm. Patrick Cantlay, Xander, I mean, I think it, it seems 11 out of the top 50 seems like a pretty high number. And look, there's been an ongoing trend in golf where younger players are winning more often. I wrote about it last year for the PGA Tour where, you know, the, the average, the mean age of winners is significantly younger than a generation ago. So um, there may be a time in recent history where it was close to being eclipsed or in the ballpark. But um, going back before that, you ain't going to find it because you get back, behind, yeah. you get back around – before 2010 and there's just not that amount of wins by players under the age of 25 unless your name's tiger Woods. okay yes okay so that was a bonus question that wasn't even the first question let's get to the first question uh morikawa hovland m wolf scheffler neiman zalatoris burns mcintyre and kim are those 10 inside the top 50 right now 25 and under career earnings from right this very second through the end of time which one do you take wow that's a good question um thank you (laughs) i get paid for (laughs) i oh man there's so many ways you can go with this i'm gonna take victor hovland and my my answer might change two weeks from now um i don't think you can go wrong with colin morikawa um his iron play since he's turned pro is as good as anybody um top five in strokes gained approach per round since he turned professional. Victor Hovland's right there, though, man. Like, he's so consistent uh, with his ball striking. He's going to improve around the greens, which self-professed. I remember when he was contending, or it might have been when he won his first tournament on PGA Tour, he said that he sucked around the greens, which was unbelievable. Yep, I suck at chipping. Got to be something that he improves on over time. Man, Matthew Wolf's ceiling just seems so high. I know we can be prisoners in the moment. He hasn't played great the last few months, but you feel like he's so talented. He's going to get it back. Um, man, I'll, I'll go with Victor Hovland. I feel like, I mean, I feel like also too, we might look back in 10 years at that Oklahoma state team and just marvel at the talent on that roster. I know we kind of already do Mm. team that won. I think it was 10, 11 tournaments, won the national championship, uh, got to host the national championship with Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland and Chris Ventura on their team, which, okay, like, you know, that seems fair. But, um, no, I'll go with Victor Hovland, but you could talk me into a couple of those other guys for sure. Yeah, you know, I went Colin Morikawa in answering this question, but I said the same thing as you. This is so fluid that 
by Monday of next week, my mind could change once again. So if you thought that was a good question, here's question two, which is even better. Which one of those 10 do you fade? Oh, man. You always – there's always a negative angle. I'm always so positive. <laughs> I'm like – I'm trying to get my Ted Lasso on and be positive at all times. Um, which I, I mean, they all might win. Is, did you put $20 million in the career, but somebody's got to come in last. Did you put Siwoo in that group? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'll say Siwoo Kim simply because, look, we've seen how huge his ceiling is. I would not be shocked if that guy won a U.S. Open by four shots at some point in his career. But the ceiling yep. is not consistently there, right? He's a guy who runs super hot. And at times, like when he won the Players' Championship, like, who is this guy? Where did this performance come from? But then he has bouts with inconsistency that he can fight from time to time. So, um, oh, man, I, I guess I'll pick Siwoo Kim. Um, you know, I, I'm not – Rob McIntyre is somebody I probably need to see a little bit more on the global stage. I know he's mm-hmm. had some success mm-hmm. in Europe, but – I guess I'll pick Siwoo Kim to fade out of the group. But so okay. much talent from those guys who are in the top 50 and 25 and under. That, that's fair. I'm going to call, tell Siwoo that you're fading him and, you know, Thanks. he's going to build Brooks Kepka, you know, <laughs> chip on his shoulder. But, um, you know, that's okay. Uh, all right. Question three. Uh, Cameron Tringali has now earned the most money in PJ Tour history without a win. $13,743,938. I want to see what a win is worth to you, Justin Ray. Okay. Okay. So think about it now. 13700000 million, zero victories. If you were Cameron Tringali, would you trade his career right now for Emiliano Grillo? $11.8 million and one win. Yes. You're giving up about $2 million for a win. Would you do it? Yes, without question. Okay. Okay. Would you trade for William McGirt's career? $10.7 million, $3 million less, and one win. William McGirt's win was the Memorial. I mean, that's, right, like right. A, that's almost like a PGA Tour win and a half. So, yes, I would trade. Yeah? Okay. Would you trade for Sung Kang's career? $9.6 million and one win. That's $4.1 million that you're taking out of the checkbook. All right. That's a little bit, that's, you know, uh. <laughs> uh, first of all, I can't answer appropriately about Sung Kang and I'll give you a reason why several years ago, he was the 54 leader at Houston, my hometown. And he talked about how mm-hmm. much he hated Texas at, at the post game, at the post round press conference, just kind of unprompted. And it, and he went out and lost <laughs> Russell Hidley beat him the next day. So I have a, I have yeah, a yeah. small vendetta against Sung Kang for his negative opinion. And then he went <laughs> one in Texas the next season. So go. And then he won in Texas. Yeah. He yeah won whatever. Him. So I, I'll try to remove that inherent bias from me, but I'm still going to say, okay, now I take Cameron Tringali. Okay. All right. Last one. And this one's a little bit different. Uh, Cameron Tringali, 13.7 million or Jim Herman, Seven point seven million and two wins. Give me the two wins. You're basically them. paying six million dollars for two trophies. Well, yeah, Herman's career is not over yet. I mean, he's he just he's still got exemptions from uh, Wyndham was last season, right? After true, he's, he's got a couple more years. Yeah, no, I think two wins is a pretty big separator. I'd say give me okay. plus he won the Houston Open. So how can <laughs> All right. The fifth, the fifth major. Just, no wrong answer. Okay. Question number four. 
Justin Thomas led the field at Innisbrook in strokes gained T to green, strokes gained off the tee, and strokes gained on approach shots. You, the stats guru, Jay Ray, tell me, how rare is this? Pretty significantly rare um, to lead in, you said it was strokes gained off the tee and approach. And then I believe it was all three. Lead... I, I'm, I'm saying it now and, and questioning myself since you don't have that at your fingertips, but I believe it was tee to green, off the tee, and approach. Okay, so if you lead in strokes gained off the tee and approach, both of those numbers go into strokes gained tee to green along with strokes gained around the green. So if you mm-hmm. lead those two, you, there's a really good chance that you're going to lead strokes gained tee to green as well. It does not happen very often. Just a handful of times – small handful of times a season where a player will lead in both those statistics. And usually it results in either a win or maybe a a close finish down the stretch, like top three type situation. But JT putted so poorly that, I mean, and he'd tell you himself that he just putted himself out of it and he struck the ball brilliantly. And I take that as a positive moving forward, especially going to the PGA championship, but um, doesn't happen very often. I don't have it right in front of me, but I, you know, maybe three times a season on the PGA Tour out of 40-some events. So it doesn't happen very okay. often. Okay. Uh, question number five. Uh, if you thought Keegan Bradley lost a heartbreaker, John Daly did basically the same thing, putting a ball in the water, but on the 18th hole, losing on PGA Tour champions on Sunday evening. What's your favorite John Daly stat over the years? So in 1997, John Daly averaged 302 yards off the tee. That was more than seven yards longer than Tiger Woods, who was second in that statistic. So he's seven Mm -hmm. yards ahead of second place. Pretty good number. He beat the PGA Tour average that season by 35 yards. He was out driving the average length player on tour by 35 yards. So that differential, to give you some perspective, by percentage is about 13%. For a player in 2021 to outdrive the PGA Tour average by 13%, 13%, they would need to average 335 off the tee. So that would be 14, <laughs> that would be 14 yards longer than Bryson DeChambeau averages this season leading the tour. At three wow. So that's the advantage that at his peak with distance that John Daly had in the bag that nobody else had. That's tremendous. That's really good. Uh, that's good way to end our five questions as well. Well done. Well answered. Glad, I, right. glad I could deliver, Mr. Sobel. All right, let's take a look at these betting odds for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Looking at our sponsor, BetMGM. They have John Rahm with a uh, 10-to-1 number next to his name, same as Justin Thomas, co-favorites. I saw JT as a little bit more of a favorite in a couple other books, but 10-to-1 uh, for each of them seems about right. Bryson DeChambeau, 14-to-1. Rory, 18-to-1 alongside Xander Shoffley. Victor Hovland at 20 Webb Simpson, the Quail Hollow member, 22. Patrick Cantley, 25. Tony Finau, 28. Patrick Reed and Will Zalatoris rounding out that top tier. Both of those guys at 30 to 1. I have a feeling I know where you're going with this, but one name stick out to you as a guy that you really like from this top tier? It does, far and away. And I'll give a little preamble beforehand to explain why I'm so high on this player this week. So the most significant statistical trend at Quail Hollow over the last decade or so is that there's much less emphasis on great approach play in terms of players who have great success there. Um, It's a stark contrast to like Valspar, which we saw last week, where the majority or the highest percentage of strokes came from approach shots 
by winners in recent years. Um, that's not the case at Quail Hollow. Players gain more than 70% of their strokes among winners. Players will gain more than 70% of their strokes off the tee and putting. And that may seem a little bit odd because when you think of Quail Hollow, the first tournament you think of is the 2017 PGA Championship, won by Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. who is one of the best approach players in the world over the last five years. But since 2010, winners at Quail Hollow have an average stroke scene approach rank of about 29. The PGA Tour average in that span is like 13. So it's not as significant as normal. Um, and, and you're going to gain more strokes off the tee and on the greens. Think about how successful Rory McIlroy has been over the years. Um, two-time winner here, the only two-time winner of this golf tournament in its history. So successful off the tee, has gained almost two full strokes per round in his career at Quail Hollow, and it's really reaped a lot of big-time rewards. So all that being said, I love the big golfer this week. I love Bryson DeChambeau. The last time he played here, he finished solo fourth, and that was in 2018 when he was kind of Bryson 1.0, not quite Bryson 2.0, who's the longest player in the world. Um, And DeChambeau, if you just isolate strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained putting, this year he gains more strokes than anybody when you combine those two. It's a perfect statistical fit. So at the top of the board – Obviously, it's going to be tough to pick. John Rahm and Justin Thomas can contend literally every week, but Bryson DeChambeau's statistical profile really, really strongly fits Quail Hollow Club. The best analyst in the game can make you change your mind on things, and what you did right there is making me rethink a lot of what I'm thinking already this week, but uh, I'm not moving away from my favorite uh, pick from the top of the board. It's, look, there was one player who had the best ball striking stats. We just talked about him last week at Innisbrook. It's also a player who's won a major championship on this golf course. It just feels like everything's falling into place for Justin Thomas. Might not win this week, but I can't see him being very far down the leaderboard. And again, if it's not him, I'm going to stick with the other chalky play in John Rahm. I just think that uh, John Rahm is ready. I, I picked him at the Masters, thinking he might get there a few days Earlier than he did, he got there Wednesday, had about half a day of prep, shot 72, 72, 72, even par every day the first three days, and then uh, finished with a six under 66 in the final round to finish in a share of fifth place, which we'll, we'll go back on and look at his Wikipedia page years from now and say, wow, he had a great Masters that year. He was fifth place. It really never even got going until Sunday, and I still think that if he had had a few more days to prep, instead of being a daddy back home, which we don't, uh, we don't begrudge him whatsoever, uh, I think he might have still uh, been a little bit closer and maybe had a chance to nip Hideki there in the end. So I do like John Rahm moving forward. Let's take a look at this, uh, this sort of second tier, and there's a lot of guys to look at here. Uh, Abraham Answer playing really well. Obviously, we've seen what Tringali and Max Homa have done recently. Sung J.M. was my pick last week. Looked pretty good for a couple days, then kind of fell apart. you got Keegan Bradley there once again. Um, my favorite overall play this week is in this range. It's interesting. Uh, you know, we tell you to shop around for a good number. Uh, on BetMGM, Harold Varner is 66-1. to 1. I've seen some longer odds uh, in some other books, but still 66-1, to 1, not a bad number. I just feel like he's a guy that's playing some of the best golf of his career, T2 at RBC Heritage a few weeks ago. He's a member at Quail Hollow. I've gotten reports from Quail Hollow members who have played with him a lot recently and said he's playing better. He's striping the ball 
better than he ever has before. He is my pick to win this week. I, I don't usually go uh, and dip this far into the odds board for a guy to, to be my overall favorite play to win, but I really like Harold Varner third taking a chance on a guy um, with a lot of potential and upside this week. Over the course of Harold's career, too, that kind of fits the analytical profile I talked about, where you know the strongest part of Harold's game in his PGA Tour career has usually been his driver, and that's a, a club he's going to be able to gain a lot of strokes with on the field at Quail Hollow. I think that's a really that's a sharp pick, and what a popular win that would be for the North Carolina dude oh. to break through, get a win. So, I mean, everyone loves him if it goes across the guy. I mean, you, you can't you can't root against him, especially on you know de facto home turf this week in North Carolina. My favorite play on the board, and I'm going to have him sprinkled everywhere. This is a guy with four consecutive top 15 finishes. He won this golf tournament a couple years ago, but it was held at a different golf course. But statistically, Mm -hmm. Brian Harmon really fits what I like here from that same analytical profile I was talking about. Harmon, top 20 in scoring average on the PGA Tour, despite being ranked outside the top 100 in strokes gain approach. What does that mean? He's gaining a ton of strokes with his driver and with his putter. And I think that as hot as he's been at, I'm seeing him at 40 to one to win. I mean, I don't know if he'll win outright, but I think the floor is incredibly high for his performance. Um, I I love him for a top 20 for a top 10. Uh, I think he's got a lot of value this week as hot as he's played and the way he fits statistically on this golf course. I am right there with you. I wrote him up in my column this week as a top five play, 13th or better in each of his last four starts, riding heater. And, yes, he won at Eagle Point back in 2017 when Quail was being uh, prepped for the PGA Championship that year. But he still has only one missed cut in seven starts at Quail Hollow. He's got a couple of top 25 finishes. So not like this is a bad course for him whatsoever. Moving a little further down the board, I think there's some guys and, you know, maybe more for top 20, top 30, top 40 type plays, uh, DFS lineups. But I think there's some value in the 100 to 1 and bigger range this week. Aaron Wise, the guy who was uh, co-runner up three years ago. Adam Shank has played really well. Three straight top 25 finishes. Uh, Doc Redman. Doc Redman. I thought I could quit Doc Redman, and then he had great ball-striking numbers on Sunday in Tampa. If he does bounce back and start playing some good golf, I don't want to miss that. And then JT Poston is a guy who tends to play some of his best golf in the Carolinas. He's a North Carolina guy. I think he could have a nice week. Anybody else in that sort of big number range that you're looking at this week? I do. Doc Redman, by, by the way, one of the best names, not just golf, but all of sports. What a name. You better so that good that dude could be playing 1950s college basketball or baseball in the 30s you know (laughs) awesome name okay back to the topic and hope he makes a house call the carolina guy guy hoping he's making a house call this week how's that there you go all right the long shot i like it i see him at 100 to 1 there are 10 players on the pga tour this season who average half a stroke gain per round off the tee and average positive strokes gain per round putting Nine of those players are pretty much household names for golf fans. The 10th guy on that list is Cameron Davis. He's made three of his last four cuts, top 10 on the PGA Tour and strokes gained off the tee. 
I'm going to stick with this formula where off the tee and putting are where players are going to gain the most strokes. Strokes gain approach, not as significant at Quail Hollow as it is in a lot of other golf courses. Cameron Davis is my favorite long shot around there at 100 to 1. Uh, you could talk me into maybe Ryan Moore played well early in the week. He has some decent history on this golf course. Uh, he's at 125, but that's the one that screams at me is Cameron Davis. I like that. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Uh, get into our DFS lineups. We do it every week here. We also do it on the Gimme Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Check your local social channels for the two of us and Amanda Rose on the Gimme every week. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. Uh, would you like the first pick for our DFS lineup on DraftKings this week? Why not? I'll get us started. Uh, I'll go with a guy who I mentioned earlier at 8,700. I think Brian Harmon is an exceptional value this week. Really high floor in terms of performance for me. We mentioned three or was it four straight top 15 finishes. I talked to you about how he's in the top 20 in scoring average, despite not necessarily gaining a ton of strokes on approach. Brian Harmon at 8,700 to get us kicked off. Yep, I will have him in a lot of lineups myself. Uh, speaking of value, talked about Harold Varner. Uh, everyone's going to be on Whip Simpson because he's a Quail Hollow member, and a lot of people know it lives right off the seventh hole. But Harold Varner joined the club not that long ago, and like I said earlier, he's been playing some really strong golf there, according to the members. 7,600 this week. I'm going to smash that in a lot of different spots. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go back for some more value, have us save a little bit of money, going down the line. I mentioned Cameron Davis and why I like him a lot. And I'm really glued to this analytical formula where players are going to gain more strokes off the tee and with putting. That's exactly what Cameron Davis does best. I mentioned that he's one of those 10 players who fits that profile perfectly. Cameron Davis, just 7,100. I really like that. I think you could have a big week at Wells Fargo. Okay. Well, I've got some money to spend. I, oh boy. <laughs> you know, when I, when I think about, well, no, I'm trying to think about driving and putting and guys that do it well. 
I'm looking up down the list. I'm like, well, maybe not him. Can I can I him. give you some can I give you some numbers then, partner? Yes, please. Yeah, all right. Now so guys, I went you're, through. You're all in this... my head. I'm thinking about these guys. Okay. <laughs> so with this this formula, I went through and I came up with the players who are averaging the most strokes seen off the tee plus putting per round this season. So here are the leaders among guys in the field. One, Bryson DeChambeau. Two, Matt Fitzpatrick, which is kind of surprising. He's been a good, better driver of the ball than you'd think. Um, Sung J.M. is on that list. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, Xander, Patrick Reed, Patrick Cantlay, and then Hovland, Corey Connors, Webb Simpson, member at Quail Hollow, of course, Harmon, my guy who I picked, and then you get into like Rom McElroy. So not a ton of surprises there. Maybe Joaquin Neiman might pop. Uh, and stick out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick not in the field. I highlighted his name erroneously on my spreadsheet. Full disclosure. Um, but Sung JM is. He's he's a part of that group. I know you picked him to win last week. So, but a little bit of help there on the players who fit the formula that I like. Okay, that's perfect. So I'm going to go with a guy who has actually played some very good golf on this golf course in the past. Ninety three hundred. He fits your model, so he's going to fit my model as well. Patrick Reed. I love it. I have Patrick Reed's one of my favorite picks this week. Uh, I'm going to have money on him to top five. Nearly won that PGA Championship here in 2017. You know, finished tied for second mm-hmm. place. Also, missed the cut last week at Valspar. That does not bother me. He shot 70-72, not bad. You know, not huge blow-up rounds. When he won Torrey earlier this year by three million shots, it came immediately following a missed cut. So not a guy who that bothers right. a lot. Um, all right, so I've got – we've got 17-3 left for our last two players – if you like, right. I'll go I'm first. Go, fine. I'm going with the other right. member. I'm going with Webb Simpson. I think his floor okay. is so unbelievably high this week. He's 10-2, which is kind of pricey. But, I mean, he, the guy has – he's been really consistent. 12th of the Masters, 9th of the RBC, his last two starts. 5th on tour in scoring average. Uh, has been six years since he's had a top 10 here. So, it's been a minute. But, man, just a lot of real consistent golf over the years here. Ah, all right. Webb Simpson, 10-2. Okay. I like that. You're leaving me with 7,100. First name I see when I look it up is Aaron Wise, who high ceiling, low floor. I mean, that's the best way to describe him. When he's on, he's a really good player. And I, as I wrote in my preview about him this week, for regular golf fans, they would look at him and say he's underperformed over the past 12 to 18 months. Uh, I think betters would look at him and say, well, he's undervalued. Uh, we can find some value on Aaron Wise. I, I do think that both of those things are true. I will have some Aaron Wise this week, but if we're just making one lineup here, I don't know that I want to dip into a guy with such a low floor. Uh, Keith Mitchell's starting to play some decent golf. Don't mind Mitchell there. JT Post is a guy that I mentioned, but I go back to the guy that I said, just when you thought I was out, they pull me back in. I can't get off Doc Redman when he's striking the ball. Doctor. Strikes it really well. <laughs> Doc Redman. It, this is the guy that I, you know, I've been talking about for 12 months now. Um, he had eight of 12 finishes uh, last year at one point in the top 30. When he gets going, he gets really going. One of my favorite, most predictive stats is round four ball striking numbers. From the previous week, Doc Redman was right at the top of that list, round four in Tampa. So you've got to think something carries over to at least Thursday and Friday at Wells Fargo this week. 
Okay. I like it. You and your consistent confidence throughout the podcast here and Doc Redman's performance has sold me. I'm all in. I like our team has got a lot of we're in the Carolinas. This is a this is a team I'd be happy to go to a Southern cookout with 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 HV three. <laughs> Webb Simpson knows what he's doing. You know, Harmon. I, I like it. I like I like the whole construct we've got going on here with our six. Patrick Reed is not going to cook out with the other five guys. I'll tell you that much, but uh, All right. fair, fair enough. Team. But the, you know, we got I, <laughs> the general, the mean here of the vibe is very positive and you've got some bona fide great skill set there with Patrick Reed uh, where it really counts and my fictional barbecue in my head that I'd like to be attending. And, and I know our podcast producer, Matt Mitchell is playing our doc Redmond music. So I'm going to lay out here for just a couple more seconds. Uh-huh. There it is. There it is. Love it. We've got actual music for Doc Redman. How good is our guy, Matt Mitchell? Uh, Jay Ray, I love the team. That's our squad. Cameron Davis, Brian Harmon, Doc Redman, Patrick Reed, Whip Simpson, Harold Varner third. Any final thoughts going into the Wells Fargo Championship this week? Keep an eye on that formula I mentioned. Strokes gain approach won't be as, as important as they normally are. So guys who gain a lot of shots on the field with their irons, don't expect a ton out of them this week. Maybe lean more towards guys who are able to gain shots off the tee and with the putter. Now that I've said all this, someone who leads the tour in that stat will win the golf tournament, but you know. No, back off it. You've been talking about this for an hour now. Don't back off it right at the very end. I'm looking for a long shot this week. Remember, Max Homa was not close to the player that Max Homa is right now back when he won this golf tournament in 2019. This is a place we've seen Derek Ernst. We've seen some other players kind of come out from nowhere to win this golf tournament, even with some big names involved. So don't be afraid to take a couple of long shots this week. Like I said, HB3 is my favorite play this week. Thanks so much to everybody out there for listening to this edition of the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Good luck with all of your bets for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Here's hoping you hit the green. We're finished talking. <laughs> 